Good morning, and welcome to another episode of Conversations with Buddy. Just a quick shout out to The Wreck for hosting this podcast each week. The Wreck, way more than a bowling alley. We drop a new podcast every Friday morning with a new story that will impact someone, and we hope that someone is you. I just want to say thanks again to everyone who listens each week to take the time to hear the stories of our guests. If you would uh, please take a moment, subscribe to our podcast, give us a review, and share this podcast with, with your friends, family, and on your favorite social media platform. We want to get these messages out uh, to the people and to impact the world one testimony at a time. This morning, I'm excited and grateful to introduce to you my guest and friend, Fausto Ramos. Welcome, Fausto. Hey, buddy. Thanks for having me. Dude, it's great to have you. Uh, I can't wait to just dive in, man. You're a young guy with a lot of energy, and you're going to bring some good stuff today, man. So I'm excited. Yeah. No, I, I'm excited. I no, uh, no, no pre-written down questions. I'm just going to go off. Just a conversation, man. That's what we do. Um, well, hey, let me introduce you real quick and just tell the audience a little bit who you are, and then I'll dive in on some questions, and uh, we'll go from there. Absolutely. So, you were born and raised in Salem. You graduated from a K high school. What year, by the way? Uh, 2009. 2009. I'll do some math here in a moment, figure out how old you are. <laughs> uh, first job was refereeing kids' soccer through the city of Salem. Mm -hmm. You started competitive breakdancing at age 14. Uh, you were born with a club foot, so you had some early surgeries in life. Yeah. That's interesting. You love to cook. Yep. Now... There's more to you. That's just what you told me. But uh, I know that you've been into uh, weightlifting. Um, and what else in that element have you done? Like some uh, helping other guys uh, do do a workout or whatever. Yeah, I, like? uh, I got my experience early, um, actually by accident. I was working out at a Planet Fitness. And um, one day I had, I had left my previous job. And I was at the at the gym at a weird time, and the manager actually, because I'm extroverted, I just say hi to everybody all the time. And uh, she noticed that I was at the gym at a time that I'm not normally at the gym. She's like, "What's going on?" And um, I was like, "Hey, uh, yeah, you know, I don't really, I'm not really working right now. I just left my last job." And and uh, she's like, "Oh, okay, cool." So I went uh, went on with my workout. Came in the next day, same thing. She's like, ah, it's really weird seeing you here at this time, but glad to see you. And I was like, yeah, you know, glad to see you too. And she pulled me aside and was like, do you want a job? And I was like, sure, whatever. Anyway, I worked actually doing graveyard. And I mean, like we did full gym turnovers, like at 10 PM, all the like treadmills get like deadlifted up, standing head up, like all of the, all of the bikes and ellipticals get moved around and we mop everything and bleach everything. It's a whole new gym when you walk into a Planet Fitness in the morning. Wow. Um, so it did that really well. Then I got the opportunity to work at the front desk in sales for a little while, memberships. Um, I, just my personality, extrovertedness, willing to talk to anybody. Um, they were like, you know, you're really good at this. And we feel like you'd be really good as a personal trainer in a, in a group setting. And I'll, so I was like, well, why not? You know, let's go for it. And uh, I ended up working as a personal trainer for Planet Fitness for about two and a half to three years. And uh, I set some records for the Pacific Northwest, actually, as a personal trainer. Nice. Um, group engagement, interactions with um, members of the gym, 
But um, yeah, I had a really cool experience being able to every everybody. I mean, Planet Fitness is eighteen to sixty five plus. You know, yeah. So any everything from middle school to high school athletes to college people. I had a really cool opportunity. Uh, I trained a lady named Karen Maxwell, super awesome, super energetic lady. And one day she was gone for a whole week and she came back and I was like, dude, where were you? Like you missed a whole week of classes. And she was like, oh, I was in Brazil. And I was like, oh, that's awesome vacation. She's like, no, I, I run and um, I'm a master's Olympic runner. Oh. And I was like, what? This entire time I'm training her in my, you a know. master's Olympic runner yeah 55 plus olympic runner you know and so she's like digging my kettlebell classes and and band workout classes and battle rope classes and full body workouts and i'm like and this entire time you could have gotten injured on my account and not been able to run but i we just built a really cool relation relationship so she was just like i trust you and i trust your workout style and you know so that was super that's, super that's cool. huge that's a, a huge compliment to you um and she didn't have to tell you who she was. You just naturally did it. Yeah. And it was cool to find out later that she was, well, pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And after that, I even challenged her. I was like, no, there's no way, you know. And she came in with her whole USA tracksuit and she came, she brought one of her medals and I was like, this is the real deal. I was like, oh my gosh. And it, it kind of added some pressure to me to like, okay, I have to advance my knowledge of workouts, Ooh. you know? So I like started to really research. I, um, I looked into like, like, uh, was the, I think it's the like, um, kettlebell training for, um, like green berets. Yeah. And I like looked into that. So whenever she was in my class, I'd add something a little bit heavier just for her. And, uh, so it was, it was cool because seeing her trust me made me like, okay, well, if she trusts me, I can go further in my own knowledge because she's going to keep doing these mm -hmm. workouts with me. Mm -hmm. So along with everybody else who was in the class, you yeah, know, so. Yeah. We're going to expand on that in a moment, but I just want to have you take us back to the very beginning. You know, you grew up in Salem. What grade school, middle school, high school did you go to? What trouble did you get into? We want to hear all the bad stuff too. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and then, you know, the, the being a personal trainer to somebody like that lady you were, were coaching, you know, are you still doing some of that? Because you're now, what are, what are you, 30 right now? Uh, I'm 32. You're 32? Yeah. So I want to I want to hear the story from the beginning to where you're at. Yeah. Um, um, fire away. So born and raised in, in Salem. Um, we lived, I grew up in Kaiser. Um, I went to Highland Elementary School. Okay. So I went to Highland Elementary School. Um, I was involved. That's kind of where I got my like soccer pickup. I was playing soccer all the time. Um, I tried others like baseball. It wasn't very hand-eye coordinated. That didn't work out for me. Um, that was actually early on, um, where I rediscovered that, uh, I had club foot. I was just a kid, right? I was just running around playing. I didn't know what that was. Um, but I started to get holes in my left knee in all of my pants because I would always tripping over my left foot. And my mom was like, um... There's something weird going on here. And then she like dropped the bomb on me. She's like, yeah, when you were born, you had club foot and they went through a whole surgery when you were a baby and and we'll have to go to Dornbecker's and check it out, make sure everything's well. And so we ended up going up there and they're like, oh, well, it seems as though now it's starting to regress. It's starting to like, it's based club foot is a, a curvature in the foot mm -hmm. and it starts to actually like grow in a rounded roundabout. So the foot is... 
it, like so your turns heel, in yeah inward. so your your shin bone comes down to your heel okay. right, at your ankle yeah and it's straight on but your foot itself not the ankle but the foot the foot yeah okay that's weird yeah club so, foot not club ankle correct okay so good um so I like was out of school for a month and they had to like break the foot. They took my, actually took my uh, rib bone to act as the bridge of the foot, reconstructed the whole thing. Yeah. I was like six or seven years old when that happened. And that was really, for me, I, I always wanted to move around. I was never a standstill kid. Like yeah. I had to do something. So it was weird going from like couch to crutches, couch to crutches. Mm -hmm. And I was out of school for probably a month and a half before they let me go back. Okay. Um, hard, that was a hard time in your life. Oh, yeah. As a six-year-old. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to run, you know. Um, and then I ended up going back to school in crutches. And I met a really good friend of mine who I'm super close with still. His name's Adrian. And uh, he was like... He had just, like, his family had just migrated into the U.S. Somehow they ended up in Kaiser. Mm -hmm. And I had, like, my broken Spanish because I, my stepfather was from uh, Mexico. Okay. And so I, they, the, the teacher in my classroom asked if I'd show him around because I was the only kid who had, like, enough broken Spanish and English to translate. To make it work, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was, I, to this day, we still hang out, we still text, we still call, you know. That's cool. So that... Uh, Again, Eve is the one thing that I could do because like, well, you're in crutches. You're not really at recess. You could show them around. I'm like, yeah, I guess. Sure. But I mean, from that one little accident bloomed a really cool relationship between us. See how life works? Yeah. I love that. It's a great story there. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, and um, moving on from, from elementary school, I went to, started off at Waldo Middle School. Um, and so Waldo Middle School was probably where I started to really like, I don't know, it was bigger than elementary school. So for my brain, it was like, oh, this is so huge. There's mm -hmm. a ton of kids here. You know, I can like make a lot of friends. Um, and I had a, had a very different home lifestyle versus school lifestyle. Mm -hmm. um, so at school, I was very extra, extroverted, outgoing, talking to people, uh, very involved. Um, sports, I was still doing soccer. Um, but me and my older brother, we didn't really get along. Um, he was involved in unfortunately like gangs and drugs. And, uh, so that's kind of like, I got introduced to it. Uh, I never like clicked into like the gang lifestyle or anything like that. But I mean, I started, um, smoking and drinking at like age 13, 14. Smoking cigarettes or marijuana? Marijuana. Okay. Yeah. Like at 13, 14. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. and it was, it wasn't really like my deal, right? It was just like my older brother's doing it and his friends are doing it and I'm in the environment. As well. So I'm doing it, you know? Um, but I still just, it, it wasn't for me really. So I like only did it when my brother was around and like my, even my mom noticed, she was like, um, are you okay? Like you're hanging out with your brother today. You just seem kind of off. And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh yeah, mom, I'm fine. It's cool. Like I'm just tired. Like, <laughs> yeah, really tired. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so, um, went through that. Um, uh, you just have one sibling. I have you? a, I have actually, I have an older brother. Uh, I have a younger sister, two younger sisters, and a younger brother. Uh, until I was later on in the story, I, when I turned 21, I found out I had an older sister from my biological father. Okay. So that was that was an interesting twist of life there. Um, so anyway, back into middle school, uh, seventh grade, I, um, I remember uh, getting off a school bus after a field trip, and there was a police officer there. And he was like, hey, are you Fausto? And I'm like, 
I was told not to talk to strangers, but yeah, sure. I'm, I'm Fausto. And he's like, cool. Well, I'm actually going to give you a ride home. Um, we're just going to hop in the car and go back to your house. And I was like, okay, sure. Why not? Like <laughs> I, I was always taught in trust the police. You know, if you ever had an, an, an emergency, like look for somebody who's yeah. dressed in the uniform, you know? Um, so we go back to my house and there's just cop cars and I was like, what's going on? I'm like, at the time, I guess seventh grade, I guess I'm maybe like 11 or 12 years old, you know? So, um, it turns out my mom had some struggles with substance that I had no idea, mm. right? Cause she was working and she yeah. was doing her, her, uh, the adult life thing. It seemed yeah. like she had everything together. And, um, I, uh, they were like, Hey, uh, we're going to go to your room real quick. You know, we're going to grab a backpack. We're going to go spend the night at a friend's house. And I was like, well, I'm going to spend the night at my friend's house. This is great on a school night. Sweet. This is awesome. You know, I didn't really understand the, like the weight of what was actually happening. So anyway, that was my first experience in the foster care system. Um, my, my mom did some classes and, and cleaned herself up a little bit. And the amazing thing was I, you, I think a lot of people, they, hear a lot of nightmare stories about the foster care system. And it's, I'm sure there are a mm -hmm. lot. Um, I had an amazing experience. Um, I walked into the house, uh, the police officer walked me in and the lady's name to this day, I remember Christy Ex Esquivel. Okay. Wonderful woman. I forget her husband's name, but super awesome family. Um, I remember just, she was like, Hey, your rooms. It was like, cause it was like eight or 9 PM at this point when they walked us there. Um, he's like, Hey, your room is down the hall on the left. Like, just go ahead, lay down, get some rest and we'll talk in the morning. We'll introduce ourselves and just, but it's late and you're probably tired. And I was like, awesome. That's this great. This is so cool. We're having a sleepover. I was like, great. But as a kid, you're like, whatever, you know, you don't really, the gravity hasn't really set in yet. It's all just kind of happening. You're just kind of yeah. going with the flow. Um, and so then I was like, okay, well, the next morning I'm talking, they're like giving us breakfast and the, the DHS worker comes in they're talking, explaining everything that's happening. And I was like, cool. So when do I go home? Cause it's a sleepover, right? You just, you, you, okay, it's time to go home. Yeah. All right, cool. Hey, I should probably schools, schools tomorrow. I need to get, get going. And like, no, you're going to be staying with us. We're going to uh, enroll you in a new school and you'll have new friends and all this stuff. And I was like, what do you mean? Like my soccer team, my best friend, uh, my best friend, Eric is at Waldo still. Like I, that's, that doesn't like, doesn't register with me. You yeah. know, I was like, no, well, unfortunately they kind of tried to explain, you know, your mom's having some difficulties. And, um, so. Are you close with your mom at this point in time? My biological mom? No. And, uh, we, we kind of stopped talking when I was like 16 or 17 years old. We had some conversations here and there when I was like in my early twenties, but yeah. but uh, even at that point in time with your biological mom, are you close to that point in time? Or are you just like oh yeah, my oh my mom was my hero, man. She made Christmas happen, she made Thanksgiving happen, yeah, school yeah. clothes, everything. She was she could do no wrong, you know. I was like, what do you mean? She that's this is not this isn't real, you know. So all of a sudden you're in the foster care, yeah, and she's going to is she going to jail? Uh, she I believe she spent some time in jail and then she was released and did some like uh like. AA and like narcotic stuff yeah. and just some of the counseling, you know, um, a lot of it, I don't know if it's, if it like really synced in for her, mm -hmm. unfortunately. Um, so I, I imagine like seventh grade, middle of seventh grade, I'm already in a new school. Like, and then I'm, it's uh, I went to Hauk middle school after okay. that, okay. which is really neat. I, same deal. Like I'm not, I didn't really like, like sit in that. Like, like, oh, I'm, I'm not in my house or this isn't, these aren't my friends and this isn't my school. I just like, okay, well, I mean, this is just where we're at, you know, like this, mm -hmm. we'll just move forward. 
Um, and I went to Hawk Middle School. I was still involved with breakdancing. So like I met people through that there. Um, a super crazy blessing, but like uh, two of my like foster brothers at the house, they were also, in, they were into breakdancing. No so way. we just like kind of fit in with each other. You know, I was like, wow, this is crazy. You know, um, it was really cool too, because I could, from Waldo to Hauk, I could step out of that environment and like I, my brother wasn't around anymore. So like the gang stuff I could like step away from, mm. I didn't have to worry about getting in fights. I didn't have to like, I actually while I was in foster care, never I didn't smoke and I didn't have to worry about anybody like peer pressure me to drink or anything. Yeah. I'm like, oh, this is great. This is a very clean environment. I my first actual like experience of really like diving into school even and like caring about my grades and not like the peer pressure of what people think about me or oh, this is gonna be nerdy if I get good grades or if mm -hmm. I act right in school, you know? So I ended up graduating Hauk and going to McKay High School. And during that summertime, my second cousin, uh, she adopted me. So pause, you're, you're in foster care from seventh grade till high school. Yeah. And then your second cousin adopts you. Yeah. She's obviously older than you at that point in time. It, you know, what's crazy is I was, you know, so eighth grade, I'm probably like 12 years old, right? I graduate high school or graduate middle school, get start summer break. And then the paperwork's all done and finished. And I move in with her. And later on in life, I was like, how old was she really? She was 21 when she adopted a 12-year-old. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and kind of like as a single parent, she wasn't married at the time? Not, not married, just single lady. She just knew that she had to take you in. Yeah. Yeah, oh. it, was, it, was, it was really cool. So uh, we were um, so in foster care. My siblings, we were all kind of separated. So she adopted myself and my little sister, Mariana. Okay. And uh, we lived together. Um, my sister had some issues. Um, which is uh, obviously a loss of her mother wants to be with mom all the time. She would kind of run away, lash out aggression, blame my aunt, even from time to time or some, my second cousin, yeah, like yeah. blame her kinda from like time to time. Yeah. Like, Hey, like if it wasn't for you adopting us, we could be with our mom. And I'm like, um, this is actually a good thing. Like I, at this point it's like settled in and I've, I'm understanding at like age 13 that this is a good thing. And you're not going back to live with your mom anymore though. This no, no, unfortunate. Yeah, this but you is, don't, so weird that seventh grade, um, you're going over to someone's house and you realize you're not going back home. So that's interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, as much as, as a kid that I was like, seemed okay with it later on in life, um, in mentoring, talking about like trauma and like hurt and like, where, like, where did you really like stop living and start like masking? Um, and that was actually one of those points I didn't even think about, but I really had, I dealt with like relationship, like disconnect. Yeah. Um, like, uh, I really didn't understand like authority figures because mm -hmm. like your parents, right. They're supposed to be like there for you and like in life with you. And I, I didn't get that. So I was yeah. like, okay, well that was a lie, you know, in my own head. Right. So I developed that like idea. Um, but anywho, I started high school, um, at McKay High School, uh, my my second cousin, Selena, who I call mom now. So if I refer to mom at this point, I'm talking about my second cousin who adopted me. Who adopted you. Good. Yeah. That's good for clarification. Um, awesome. Mom. I uh, She was uh, super, super hands-on, right? She was just like, hey, like you can do anything. Like whatever you want to try, do it. If you want to do skateboarding, do it. You want to keep doing breakdancing, do it. You want to do X, Y, Z, just do it. And she was just like, really encouraging in like the development of like 
me as a person and emotionally. She was always open door, like, hey, if you need to talk to me about something, just let me know. Hmm. And I always said, okay. But as a young adult, I was not like, I'm going to share all of my sad feelings with you. You know, like, it was not going to happen. Nope. So my freshman year of high school, um, it went well for me, but not for the people around me. <laughs> I, I remember it's horrible and I feel so bad about it. And I actually went back to this teacher in my senior year of high school and thanked her. But in my freshman year of high school, I made a teacher like storm out of the room because I would not be quiet. I would not listen. I was like actively making fun of this person who was trying to teach and they had to leave the room because you can't punch a student, right? Like, yeah. it, but she like, and she wants to, she, at this point, I wouldn't have blamed her <laughs> as an adult. Now I was yeah, like, yeah. you should have, yeah, yeah. and maybe that would have taught me like, Hey, you can't talk to people like that. Right, right. So, um, so my freshman year was really just me messing around, just doing whatever I wanted to do, whatever Fausto thought was cool, whatever people around Fausto thought was cool. And really just like your classic class clown. You know, just making everybody else laugh. Yeah. Um, failed all of my classes my freshman year, except for PE. You know, at this point, I'm still involved with breakdancing. Uh, we had developed our crew at this point. The hype, the original was um, the Hype Styles crew. Uh, me, uh, my best friends, Gabriel, Hector, uh, Tony, uh, my best friend, Eric from middle school. And we were actively practicing like we were a real like team, like a basketball team practices every day after school we were practicing every single day after school. Mm. Um, so that was like, that was my focus. I was, I, I was mad at the world because of what had happened. I didn't express that to anybody, yeah. but I was able to break dance. So I'm cool. Everything's good. Freshman year of high school. Um, I'm back in the same env environment. So if you went to Waldo middle school, you went to McKay high school, yeah. right? That's the same neighborhood. Um, so my brother is now like his, I would say like his, his crew, his people, yeah. um, they're in that environment with me now again. And so I didn't get back into any really like gangs, drugs or alcohol with them, but I did do alcohol and drugs with my own friends as yeah. like recreational. But because of my brother's like influence in that area, like I would get actively get in fights just because of who he was, mm. you know? And so that was a struggle that I had to deal with um, is like, I'd, I'd never wanted to be in fights. I didn't actively go looking for fights, but people were like, oh, you're so-and-so's brother. And I'm like, yeah, dang it, you know, ugh. And then we'd, we'd fight, you know, it's just, it, there was no hesitation. There was no talking. It was like, okay, cool. Well, guess what? Tell your brother this, that, and the other thing. And I was like, tell him yourself, you know, like, oh. and then I'd get fired up and then we'd just fight about it. Yeah. And it wasn't even me. I was like fighting for my, my brother who really did like, he wasn't even around. Yeah. You know, I was fighting for like a ghost figure at this point. Um, though anyway, we were um, actively breakdancing, actively playing soccer, um, dealing with this kind of turmoil of whenever I was around the wrong people, somebody was like wanting to fight. Um, and then also now being introduced to girls. And that was, I was like, oh yeah, girls, girls are great. Girls are awesome. This is a phenomenal deal, right? Um, so... Uh, had like girlfriends on and off. I didn't really know relationships. Uh, I didn't really know like how you were supposed to act or how you should act or what you do and what you don't do. Um, so I was introduced to like intimacy really early on in life at that point. Um, and I that, then I was like, okay, now that's what I'm seeking, right? Is that level of closeness. So my entire sophomore year was just kind of like 
a new level of experimenting and finding out what I liked and what I didn't like. Um, and then the end of my sophomore year, I met a girl and she was like super smart, super like involved in school, uh, played instruments, was like actively on varsity sports. And I was just like, and she liked me back. And I was like, why do you, what you, you're so smart. You're like really cool and good. And like, and I, and I'm like, uh, I don't know if this would work out. Like, I don't think that this would work out. And she was like, okay, cool. Well, you know, whatever. So start of junior year, she comes up to me. She's like, Hey, like we're going to date and like, you're going to figure out like what we're like, how this is going to go. And I was like, okay, sure. All right. Okay, cool. And so, and I think a little bit is like pure pressure, right? So I'm still break dancing. I'm still doing soccer. I'm still, um, sometimes recreationally smoking and drinking, and she doesn't do that, right? She's she's all school, all in playing instrument, all sports. And I didn't really understand that. And her parents like invited me over for dinner one time to like get to know me. And I was like, oh, why do they want to get to know me? Like, well, you're my my boyfriend, so they want to get to know you. I was like, oh, that's weird. And she's like, no, it's not. That's actually very normal. And I was like, in my head, I was like, no, I sure, I guess, whatever. And so the, her parents were super cool, um, very, very traditional, very like down to earth, like, hey, like you don't mess around. You don't, you don't, you're not, you're not joking around. You're not getting in trouble. You're not doing like, you're paying attention in school. It's like a come to Jesus meeting. Yeah. Like, hey, and, I, yeah. And, I, and I was like, I'm like 14 or 15 at this point. I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah. What I, whatever. And they're like, well, just so you know, like, you know, at school is very, like, kind of like, like again, peer pressure, like school is very important. You should really consider your future and like, what you want to do? And I don't know if it was just the way they said it, or maybe I was like peer pressured or guilted into, but I, I my junior year is the first time I ever didn't fail a class. Ooh. I ended up with all A's and a B the second semester of my junior class. And I was like, wait a second, I'm smart. I can, I can get good grades. Well, weird. So you actually didn't believe you could. Exactly. I didn't, you I proved didn't. it, but now somebody's asking you, well, in a way, peer pressuring you to try a little bit and you do it. Yeah. Okay. And um, so then starting in my, my senior year of high school, um, we used to do, I'm going to jump back into my family story a little bit right here. So jumping back into uh, senior year. I think it was like the third day we had, we used to do these like visitations at DHS with my biological mom. Okay. And we'd go into this room with the one way mirror that I already knew at this point of age, I was smart enough. I was just like, well, they're watching us. I'm totally uncomfortable. I don't want to have live conversations with you because there's somebody over here taking notes behind that glass. Like I've seen the movies at this point. Yeah. Like, I know what this is. Um, and because I was getting good grades, my, my little sister was kind of like, at the same time, still acting out. Uh, she was still kind of running away at the time. Like she definitely like actively wanted to try and be with my biological mom. And uh, my mom, after the meeting, kind of pulled me aside. Was like, hey, you know, your sister feels like she has to compete with you and and you're mm. getting good grades. And and the, the conversation to me boiled down to, hey, can you can you stop getting such good grades? Like maybe maybe hold back a little bit. And I was like, did you just ask me to pretend to be like dumb, like pretend to not be smart? Like I, I felt like you're asking me to not work to my full potential. And that was the real conversation that like, that was it. I was like, Hey, I asked my, my, um, my mom, my adopted mom, I was like, do I have to go to those? And she was like, nah, if you don't want to, why? 
And I was like, I just don't like the mirror. You know, I just blamed the mirror. I just like, I don't like that there's people watching us. I just, it doesn't, doesn't feel comfortable. But really, like, my, my biological mom, who should probably be like, yo, you're doing great in school, way to go, like pumping me up. She was like, hey, can you like pump the brakes a little bit so your sister can like, doesn't feel like she has to try, try as hard. Hmm. I was like, whoa, that doesn't, I was only like seven, 16 or 17. I was like, but that doesn't sit right. That's not cool. So I was like, I made that decision really early on senior, senior year. Um, and in my junior years, like I was getting good grades and I was getting more involved in school, not just breakdancing in sports, but I was still breakdancing. And at this point we were competing as a crew, like getting invited to Portland, getting invited to Eugene. Like we road tripped up to Seattle. Like we were in a very active breakdancing crew. So I was in, I had my set friends. I had my sports soccer, you know, I had, I had like built this environment around me. Like, okay, this all makes me feel really good about myself. And now I'm also doing really good in school. Hmm. So I was like, wow, this is great. You know? Um, so senior year of high school, I uh, got involved in student government. I, uh, I joined the swim team. I wanted to try something different. I stopped playing soccer. Um, I was struggling in math. I passed math, but I was struggling in it. And I went back to that teacher from freshman year and she just happened to be the intro to dance teacher. And so I had been in a class with her outside of academically, but more dance. And I was like, oh yeah, of course I'm gonna take a dance class. That's, that's awesome. And then she was there and I was like, whoa, what are you doing here? She's like, oh, I traditionally like ballet and contemporary dance and when I was younger. And I was like, okay, you've, you've, you've piqued my interest. Okay, let's see what's going on. So we went through the entire dance. I learned a lot from her just about dance. And uh, it opened up my like avenue to ask her like, hey, like I'm kind of struggling in math. You know, I, is there any, any way like we could like tutor or something, or I could learn a little bit more from you, or you can explain things to me. And she was like, no, but I'll just, I'll have your counselor move you into my math class. And you're just going to sit in the front seat, like in the front, front of the class. And okay. boom, it clicked. I, I did like algebra two pre-cal, like I was like learning stuff and I was like, wow, all, and, and for somebody who I like actively tried to make like upset physically and emotionally upset to be like, Hey, like I'm, she didn't even bring it up. She's like, just, I'll have you moved into my math class and you just sit in the front seat. And if you have questions, like, just let me know. Hmm. Somebody's showing that they actually cared about you. Is that maybe the, the trigger? Like somebody cares, somebody, yeah. Not, not, not trying to like hold something against me and be like, oh, well, do you remember that freshman year of high school? Like what you did to me? Like, no, she was like, okay. Cool. Well, if, if you need a little bit of help, then I can give you a little bit of help. If you want a lot of help, though, I can give you a lot of help. And she just like gave me that two tier, like, where, where do you want help at? Mm. So that was cool. Ended up graduating high school. I, my senior year, I finished all A's. No kidding. All A's. I, and I was blown away. I was like, I can do that? That, I, okay, cool. Awesome. You know? Um, and then went on to like working. When I uh, went to Chemeketa for a little while while I was working, but the one difficult thing I will say of being like uh, a foster kid, mm -hmm. adopted kid, yep. um, is as soon as you turn 18, um, they, the the help kind of fades away. Mm -hmm. So there's not a lot of financial help. You got to like start working. You got to like, you know, luckily my adopted mom was like, well, you can live here as long as you need to, you know? And I was like, okay. I didn't want to feel like a burden at the same time though. So um 
I've got my own apartment. I uh, started working at a hotel, the Phoenix Inn Suites. Super cool. Um, super awesome, like, people to work with there. My boss was, like, my age now when I was 18. So he was, like, 32, 33. Mm-hmm. Um uh super engaging guy like he um he played video games and he was like oh you play video games we should play play together sometime and i'm like all right cool awesome um so i liked my first job uh went to Chemeketa for a little while but working really took over for me because i was like i got bills to pay yeah you know i i had a car a small little car i had to like pay for the gas pay for the insurance you know um so i stopped going to college after a year um to kind of take a break moved in with my breakdancing crew at this point i'm like 18 19 actively break dancing and like then we moved into this like three-story house the middle floor the middle floor of the house was like all wood so it was perfect for us we asked the landlord if we could have it buffed and like sealed and everything um and it was just the practice our practice spot every day wake up go to work come back as soon as everybody's home we're practicing living in practice it was super like the coolest thing i've ever experienced is like mm. living with my break dancing crew yeah um but with that you know you know, four guys living in a house uh, comes, hey, you guys should throw a house party. And so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, cool. And so we're starting to throw house parties. We're like the cool kids. Everybody wants to be at the house with us. And oh man, it was a blast for a year and a half. Like that was our life was breakdancing, work and throwing parties. Party, man. It was your classic college kid lifestyle. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, mine came to a halting stop. I was 20 years old. Uh, we were throwing parties. I met a person that I shouldn't have met at the time. And uh, I ended up in jail at age 20. And that, because at this point, I, I was happy. I had my community around me, my community, right? Um, and I was working and I was smart. I was involved, you know, and still like this thing happened. And I was, I was like, why is that thing happening? Mm-hmm. You know, so I was in jail for two and a half weeks. Um, and while I was there, I stumbled on a couple of books I read, just like personality books, um, self-reflection books. And then I accidentally read a book called The Harbinger. And that was a really interesting book. And it's spiritually written spiritually by a guy who talks about like, hey, are you living your true meaning? You know, like what God, like who God calls you to be. And I had gone to church, even in, when I was in foster care, the, the foster family like took us to church, but it didn't really like register with me. It didn't click with me. I even went to church when I was like living with my biological mom, the pastor would come pick us up and take us. Hmm. So there was like, there was like religion in my life, but not like, like, like involved. I was, I didn't actively seek it myself. Um, so I read this book and it like really, really like, t- it really like touched the hard places for me. And I was like, well, I don't know if I like that. And um, my, I'd say this very lightly, but my cellmate, right? The guy I was sharing a room with. Because <laughs> I think, I think movie-wise, movie people hear jail and prison, and they kind of intermingle the two. Yeah. When you're in jail, there's no bars. There's no cell. That, that's, a, that's, that's prison. When you're in jail, it's just a room with a door, and the door has a window. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so I'm sharing this room with this guy and I tell him about the book and he's like, he goes, starts reading it and he notices that it's not stamped uh, property of Marion County, blah, 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 blah. And I was, he's like, How, where'd you get this book at? And I was like, it was on the, it was on the shelf over there. And he was like, well, you should probably let the, somebody know that it doesn't have the stamp in it because it's not supposed to be in here if it doesn't have the stamp. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, you could, this could be considered propaganda 
he like knew all the legal jargon because they, when you're in jail and you have nothing to do, you just study law books. As so you try to find out how you get yourself out of jail, That's right? right. <laughs> so uh, he was he was like, yeah, you should actually let somebody know that this doesn't have a stamp in it because they, if it's not like eligible to be in the jail, they'll remove it. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. So I did, um, but nothing really came of it. But the book, it just kind of stuck with me. And I'm like thinking about like, I, this isn't where I'm meant to be. Like, I'm not supposed to be in jail. If I was living my right life correctly, I wouldn't have ended up here, right? So I'm sitting there and, I'm, and I haven't told anybody. I haven't made, you know, you get one phone call. I was like, nah, I'm, I'm, there's I'm no anybody. way I'm calling my, my mom, my adopted mom or my grandparents. I'm like, that's scary to me. I'm not calling anybody. I'll sit here until I get told I can leave, you know? <laughs> um, and well, the hard part is that my, my grandfather, I, my uh, great uncle, Hector, he uh, is a translator for the federal court. And so I'm like praying at this point actively, like, I really hope he doesn't have to come here. I really hope he doesn't have to come here. I really hope he doesn't have to come here. And um, one day we were getting food and then we're like, end, end of the lunch period, go back to your room. Um, and I'm looking out the little window because it's just boring. Like you just eat, sleep and read. That's really what you do. Hmm. Um, it's very like sobering to like sit in a room and like think about like, okay, why am I actually here? And like, I, and that's what I was doing. Like, why am I actually here? Um, so I'm, I'm standing by the window and I'm looking down and in walks my great uncle Hector and he's sure. sitting at a table and I look at him and I'm frozen and I, I'm telling my body to move. Cause I'd all, it, all it would take is for him to look up to the left and I would be standing in a window. You know, I'm like, like trying to actively get my body to move away from this window. And eventually I do, but I'm like in shock at this point. I'm just like breathing heavily, like, oh my gosh, did he see me? You know, and, and, uh, within two days, sure enough, Hey Ramos, you've got a, you've got a visitor. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want a visitor. I don't, nobody should know that I'm here. Nobody should, you know, I don't want to talk to anybody about this, you know? Um, so, but my, uh, adopted mom and come and saw me and she had already talked to the court appointed attorney and she's like, okay, well, I know what's going on. How are you? And I just like, it's weird because that's the one thing that is real in movies that like glass that they have up in front of you that that's real. And so I'm just like sitting there, I'm like 20 years old and I'm like bawling and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I know I shouldn't be here. Um, and she's like, don't worry. We've already talked to the attorney. You're fine. We're going to get this figured out for you. But it shouldn't take a week and a half. I was in there for a week and a half before anybody in my family knew. And they were like, you should have called. And I'm like, I know. But I was so afraid to disappoint anybody. So anyway, two days go by. I have a court hearing. I'm released. Um, there's like stipulations put on me. Like, you know, uh, you got to be home by 10 p.m. You can't be out past, you know, midnight. You got to like, these, this is your curfew. You got to go to these classes, therapy, counseling, group counseling. Uh, we want you to take an AA class just to make sure there's no like worries of like alcoholism. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I was just very much like, okay, whatever you say I have to do, I'm going to do it. Like I just have to, right? So I go through the counseling. I go through the therapy. I go through the AA pass with flying colors. They're well, you're not some, you're not dangerous. And I'm like, I know I'm just, I was dumb. I, that's, that's, I was dumb. I made a stupid decision. I was not living the way I should have. And, uh, in that time I had a friend, um, reach out and was like, Hey, um, there's this guy doing this thing and I think it'd be beneficial to you. 
would you be down to have coffee with a stranger? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? And uh, so I met Tim Davis. No way. Yeah. Tim Davis, uh, Broadway Coffee House over just so we sat there and he was like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to, you know, like, I'm just, I just want to give you an outlet, right? Like, I'm like, just tell me what's going on. Tell me about yourself. Mm. How can I, how can I assist? What do you need? You know? So this has been 12 years ago because you're 32. This is age 20. Age 20. Yeah. And okay. so I'm sitting there and he's like, yeah, me and some friends are doing this thing, you know, Valor Mentoring. Huh, and I was I like, that. I was like, huh, sure. Okay. I don't know anything about it, but let's, let's dive in. And so he's like, okay, well, tell me about your life. It just kind of like this, right? Like on the podcast, but at a coffee shop with tons of people around. Yeah. When and, you're 20 and you're uh, probably a little bit more insecure. Shaken up at this yeah. point. I was like, I don't know if I want to tell you everything about me. Mm-hmm. Right. I was just like, if I told you everything about me, you wouldn't want to have coffee with me anymore. And so I ended up telling him and we developed a really cool relationship as mentor and mentee. And, um, I, uh, I remember like three or four times sobbing in Broadway coffee house, you know, and I'm like looking around like, can anybody see me crying? Cause like, I'm actively like sobbing cause oh. it sucked. You know, like I retold my story as a young adult now. And he's like, Hey, like that actually shouldn't have happened to you. And that, that shouldn't have happened to you. And I was like, you're right. You're right. It shouldn't have happened to me. I was like mad and sad and all of that. So we started mentoring once every Friday, once every other Friday. And then I remember it was one, one Friday that he couldn't make it. He was like, Hey, I'm at work right now. Like I'm not gonna be able to make it. And I was like, kind of bummed. Cause I had just gotten, um, promoted at planet fitness at this mm-hmm. point, it had mm-hmm. been like a year of mentoring together. And I was like, left my last job. I'm in planet fitness at this point. And, uh, he, he was like, I was like, and I tell him about my promotion and things are going well for me now, like a year into my probationary time, a year after jail, I'm like 21 or 22 now. And, um, so he's like, well, uh, you, you want to just come to my work? You can just come by my work. And I was like, whoa, I don't want to interrupt you. Like your work stuff. He's like, no, I work at a church, you know, like, um, here's the address. Just come on down. And I was like, okay, cool. So sure. I was like, do you want me to grab you coffee? He's like, there's coffee here. It's cool. Just come on down. So I put the GPS in my phone, put my phone up on the little phone handle and I'm driving and I'm starting to remember some stuff because I grew up, I was born and raised in Salem, but I grew up in Kaiser for a little while and uh, I'm driving, I'm driving and I'm like, Hey, there's the cow farm. I know this. I kind of know where I'm at, like Kaiser wise, right? Uh, the cow cow farm's not there anymore, but it was. Um, and we turned right. Um, and I was like, I feel like I know where I'm going at this point. And I'm driving, I'm driving. I turn left into the church parking lot and I'm sitting there in my car. And and me and Tim, I've already had like uh, conversations about God and religion and spirituality and a relationship. And so I'm already kind of active in understanding that and like uh, like really kind of letting myself go into like spirituality and like allowing God to really morph me mm-hmm. into who I'm supposed to be. So I'm sitting there in the parking lot and I reverse into the spot. And I'm staring at the building that is Church on the Hill Kaiser. Yep. And I'm staring at it because when I was eight years old, I was baptized there and it used to be called Iris Valley Church. No way. Yeah. Life 360, man. Life 360. God said, you're going to start here. You're going to go through life and I'm going to bring you right back. And I remember walking into the building and I looked around. I was like, yep, that's where we used to build the little wood cars and like race them down these little ramps. And, uh-huh. and uh, there used to be this where the stage is now, there used, the stage used to be a lot higher. And used to like have to like stack like mats to like get on top of it. Like, 
I remember being like eight years old and being there mm. and, and being in like, there's like the, the offices and the rooms. I remember being in there in like little Sunday schools and I was like, dang. And Tim came over and I'm like, I'm still in awe. I'm like, we're looking around and he's like, Hey, what's up? And I was like, did this used to be another church? And he was like, mm, it's been a couple, I think. And I was like, oh, ever, was it ever Iris Valley church? And he was like, Oh, years ago. Nah. And I was like, I know. Cause oh. that's where I was first introduced to God, right? Religion. Yeah, yeah. And so he's like, wow, crazy. So real quick, what church you go to today? Uh, church on the Hill Kaiser when I can. Um, yeah. I I still to this day stay pretty deep. I, I've got the Bible app. I I donate and listen to K-Love radio. Yeah. Um, I'm going through a Bible study right now with a guy, Travis, he invited me to. I'm just I try to stay as active as I possibly can. Um, with my schedule, like sometimes I can't make it to church in the morning, yeah. right on a Sunday, but I find other outlets and other ways to stay involved and kind of constantly consuming the information, the the praise, the worship, the message, mm. and then learning how to regurgitate that so that like if I have a conversation with somebody, it's like it's it's not like abrasive and you know, it's like because hey, god is loving god is kind god is uh only wants the best for people so i when i when i regurgitate that i want people to be able to like, hear it softly understand it and yeah. understand that hey like just like tim did with me for like four years in a coffee shop i want to be able to do that in a simple conversation at a grocery store even if i had to yeah. you know well, it's funny that you met tim you know divinely i mean there's no oh, accidents yeah and then Fast forward 12 years and now you actually work for Tim yeah. here at the rec. Mm -hmm. Wow, that, that's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, there's a lot we can unpack there, but uh, Tim has obviously had a huge impact in your life. He's also had a huge impact in my life. Uh, he's one of my closest friends and uh, we know each other pretty well. Yeah. So, well, let's talk about, because you got out of the car this morning when we first got to the rec and Tim had recommended you read a book. So... Uh, you're working on a book that you're reading. I want to hear about that. I want to hear, you know, I noticed that you walked in with like food that you prepared from home. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think you're probably a healthy guy. Yeah. Uh, I envy that. <laughs> I try <laughs> it, to be healthy. It, but... It's time consuming, man. It's very time consuming. But you do. Is that so? Okay. So yeah, walk me through like what's the book you're reading? You know, how do you prepare food for the day? Uh, are you still working out? Yeah. Uh, sounds like you're involved in Bible study. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the book I'm reading right now is uh, recommended by Tim and Jack. Um, and it's a book called uh, The Master Key to Riches. And when you when you read a title like that, you probably think it's some like sell you the whole world kind of book, right? Like if you do these things, you're going to be swimming in the in like the what's the Scrooge McDuck, the coins, you know, you're swimming in coins all day long, you know. Um, but really, it's just like a perspective thing. And it's very like. Like how do you how do you how do you act at work? How do you act in your everyday life? How do you communicate? How do you articulate? How do you um, why do you do things? How do you do things? And then wash, rinse, repeat. You know um, why do I give good customer service? It's because it's good for the other person. Whether the interaction gets me a tip, whether the interaction gets me more and more sales, that person deserves right divinely by God deserves. A good experience based on just being a person like I, I'm not, I'm not gonna be like hey what do you want mm -hmm. and I was like hey how's your day going like are you looking are you really hungry are you just a little hungry do you want something to drink That's like questions it's, it's like yeah. it's it's like they walk into a business 
And they should feel like, hey, I'm being offered a glass of water at a house, right? If somebody comes to your house, hey, can I get you a drink? As yeah. soon as they sit down, you yeah. know? And that's that's kind of what the book kind of instills. Like, what are the principles of what you do? You know, there's like mm. four big things. What's your purpose? How are you pursuing that purpose? Are you going the extra mile? And are you okay with going even further? Right? Like, um, when I worked for Planet Fitness, they had us read a book called Raving Fans. Yep, like, love that book. Like, not not just like, not just a bunch of like, oh, customer service and five-star ratings, like, but plus one. Plus one. Right? They're your customers, your members, they're your marketing team if you do a great job. They're raving fans. They're they're in the streets saying, oh, yeah, I, I go to the wreck and I I didn't do pit any pins at all. You know, I, I hit one pin. But you know what I did have? It was a good time. I had a great time. The staff, phenomenal. The food, amazing. The person at the in the kitchen knew exactly what I needed to order because they saw my party. They recognized the need and they just, they even guided the conversation to me needing two pizzas and we had a, we had like two slices left over. So we took it home or whatever may have you, right? But like that level of customer service, mm -hmm. it, it's not to build a customer service based marketing team it's it's just because you should man that's huge yeah it, it's 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 not like i hope that everybody i serve leaves here and then goes and tells 50 people it, 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 on a business standpoint absolutely i hope they do cool. i hope i hope they invite more people but that's back. not why you did it but i did it because i saw that they're here to have a good time they they took time out of their day to come here yeah. They chose the they chose the rec bowling center, you know, and a lot of what we do inside of the rec is for Valor mentoring, right? Like yeah. we, we we raise the funds so that we can continue to have those coffee shop conversations. And that's why it starts with the hey, how's your day going? Can I get you a can I get you a cup of water? Is there anything you need to get off the menu right now? Would you like me to start something and have it delivered later? If you call ahead, you know, give us a time and items that you need. And we'll have it ready for you. Just that level of extra customer service because one, I can. There's there's nothing stopping me from doing that. That's right. And if you tried to stop me from doing it, I wouldn't be being my true self. That's right. So you that, shouldn't get great grades, Fausto. <laughs> yeah. Right? No, I'm gonna. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna. And I'm gonna, I'm and gonna get all A's now. In fact. Now it's now I'm competitive. Ooh. <laughs> right? Now yeah. it's a challenge. So um well, I was going to say, there's a book called, uh, Ed Milet wrote, it's called The Power of One More. He's a Christian guy, he's an influencer, but The Power of One More, if you're going to do 50 push-ups, do 51. Yeah. If you're going to, I don't know, bring a pizza, bring a bring another one, or bring something additional and bring more. Yeah. Because you can. Yes. And if we live that way, by the way, you impact people, we, whether whether you think so or not, you impact somebody for positivity or negativity every day, mm -hmm. you have the choice. Yeah. To do that. How will you do that? Don't think that you don't impact people. You do. And if we actually remember that, you'll change the world. Yeah. So Fausto, you're changing the world just with your attitude. Absolutely. It's it's not it's not the it's not the preseason burger so they taste better. It's not the handcrafted pizzas so they taste better. It's literally the interaction. It the item, the item of purchase or the item of trade or the item of barter is not the customer service thing. That's that's added to, but the customer service thing is how do I take your order and how do I deliver it? Sounds like you need to write a book. And I, I wrote down the title. <laughs> uh, you said coffee shop conversations. You know, uh, I love this 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 podcast with you. It's, it's been great just to 
hearing your your thought for a young guy. I, I'm old, you're young, so I, I think you you're very wise, and God is blessing you richly, not necessarily with money, right? Although it could be money, but just with with friendship, mm-hmm. with your faith, with just life that you actually have the ability to give and go give more without trying to go with one hand out trying to take, mm-hmm. just go give. It's, and it's attitude if, and perspective. If we actually live that way, yeah. how much more rich is life just by going to give? We, we know it's better to give than receive anyway, biblically. Yeah. And let's test that. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just go all in and give and whatever happens, happens. Yeah. That is amazing. Hey, we're going to wrap up our podcast here in just a moment, but uh, you know, through this whole story, the one question I have is, where's your dad, your biological dad? Hmm, you know, that's a great question. I've never met him. Um, I have heard stories about him. I know his name. Um, because I only know his name because it's on on my birth certificate, right? Like, my biological mom never talked to me about him. Um, I think there was a picture of him at some point. Um, but my biological mom, we were visiting my great grandma in in California, sorry in Los Angeles and they were going through a photo, like a shoebox of photos. And my biological mom was like, oh, why do you still have this picture? You know, and she like took it, ripped it up and threw it away. Mm. And I'm pretty sure for whatever reason, I, even as a kid, I think I was like not a seven or eight years old. I was like, I had a feeling that like, oh, that was probably a picture of my dad, mm. you know? And so like, I never met him. I know his name. How about your mom? What's, you know, where are you at with your mom today? Uh, Does she live here locally? She lives. She lives in Salem. Um, I think I've I've done a lot of forgiving, um, but I I haven't done a lot of engaging. And I and I I don't know if it's something I heard at some point, but it's a term I developed. And I love from arm's length. I love her. I hope the best for her. But I know that in the situations that she puts herself in, they're not good for me. So I just, I love from arm's length. Like, okay. hey, I love you. I want the best for you. And I hope that you choose the best for you. When's the last time you actually talked to her? Oh, I think we had a text conversation when I was like 23. Oh, it's been almost, almost nine, nine years, years, 10 years almost. Yeah. And she lives here locally. Yeah. Okay. Well, now I know how to pray, you know, for you. And and hopefully you're doing the same thing for your mom. But, mm-hmm. well, hey, we're going to wrap up just because, we got to. Uh, I really appreciate your transparency. I knew a little bit of your jail time because Tim and I were friends way back then. And you know, this guy named Fausto, and I knew you worked at the hotel, and something happened. And but you're a sharp, sharp kid. Now you're going to jail for a couple weeks, and God's working on you. But uh, as we wrap up, what is a final lesson you want to share with this audience? That because you mm. share some really good nuggets, but. I don't care if it's to uh, do your workout, eat clean, say your prayers. What is the one thing that you want to leave the audience with? Uh, man, um, I would say as a kid who kind of grew up in what some people call the hood or the ghetto, uh, who grew up in a lifestyle of like fighting and really having to like worry about life, I would say try and find try and find your harmony find find what makes you feel safe what makes you feel happy um, that doesn't that doesn't hurt others 
right? Because sometimes our, the things we like can hurt others. But find your harmony. Find somebody to share that with and be open and be transparent. Um, mentoring was the saving grace for me. Like being able to talk openly and transparently about how I actually felt brought me harmony and brought me balance. And Tim is a master asking the right question. Yeah, and he unfortunately. Will, he will... <laughs> He'll look you in the eye and ask what's what's the greatest challenge you're going through, and he won't let it go. Yeah, and you know, if you're going to ask yourself any question, right? If you're if you're having a tough time, if you're somewhere and you're having a hard time with life right now, um, Tim asked me, and this is the first sobbing moment I had in Broadway Coffee House. He's like, "What are you mad at? Hmm. What are you so mad about?" Ooh. And I was like, "Nothing. I'm not mad about anything." And then he's like, "Sure, okay, but you've never met your dad, right?" And I was like. Yeah, you know, and I started to like feel achy in my skin. I'm like, yeah, I guess I am mad about that. So again, be transparent about what you're sad about, about what you're mad about, and then what brings you happiness and harmony, and then dive into that happiness and harmony. And the things that you're mad and sad about, say it out loud, and then just do your best to let it go. Hmm. I know life's not perfect for you, but I can see that really working in your life with Tim, that advice he gave you nine years ago mm -hmm. till right now today, because I've gotten to see your journey too. We know each other pretty well, but I get to see you really on a weekly basis as I walk into the wreck and I do Bible study and I do life here with you guys as well. It's a joy, man, to see what guys in your life and and uh, he's not done, God's not done with you yet. No, not no. Even, Hardly even begun. So. Oh, yeah. There's <laughs> a, a whole, what, 50, minimum 50 more years, you know? <laughs> Lord willing. Well, hey, we're going to wrap up. And Fausto, I really appreciate this, man. It's really been a lot of fun. Thank and, you for uh, having me. Yeah. I'll be watching you. I really will. And you know what? When we go on air, when we go live, we become transparent, people are watching. It does raise this thing called accountability. You know, I talked about that oh, yeah. about a week ago. It's the thing I need most. Well, I need lots of prayer, but along with prayer, I need accountability from men, from my wife, from whomever that can hold me accountable to to walk in the straight and narrow, doing the thing I know I need to do. And that's, I'm watching you, and I'm sure there's some accountability going both ways where, how you doing, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, so, it's been a pleasure, and... It's true. If somebody if somebody hears this and like, hey, I'm gonna go down to the wreck and I'm gonna I'm gonna test that Fausto's guys customer service. Come on down. Come on. Come on down. Come grab a burger. Let's talk about life. Okay. <laughs> That's a great invite, Fausto. So so I guess we know how if somebody wants to come find you, come down to the wreck. Go bowling, order some food, interact with Fausto or Camden, Tim, Alyssa, Buddy, the crew. So well hey, we, we appreciate you listening this week. That's been a great conversation with Fausto. And by the way, if you know anybody out there that wants to share their share their story, please get them in touch with me. I'd love to talk with them and hear their story. And the stories that we're hearing impact people. They truly do. So thank you for listening. We look forward to seeing you next week. Have a great week. <laughs>